Well, good morning, church. I am so happy to be with you this morning. I was supposed to preach a few weeks ago, but I got sick. But I'm here now and stronger than ever. Um, my name is Amanda. If you don't know me yet, my husband and I moved here from Ohio. Don't hold that against us. We moved here in September, and I'm the new uh, senior high youth pastor for ninth through twelfth grade students and families. And I just want to say thank you so much for welcoming us so well and being so kind and generous. Uh, this truly is a great church. We're going to continue in our series this morning called Amen. And in the series, what's the prayer we've been looking at? The Lord's Prayer. Prayer. In this prayer, we see not only what's important on God's heart through Jesus, but we see how we're supposed to live this life. This prayer is designed to form us and to shape us into kingdom people. And so we're going to look at that today, looking at Matthew chapter 6. For those of you who don't know me. I'm usually pretty loud, energetic, a little quirky at times, and I love to laugh. Me and my friend group growing up as a teenager, we loved to laugh, and one way that we liked to laugh was pulling pranks on each other. And they were decently harmless, right? Like no one was seriously injured. One of my friends, she was telling us she was going to bring chocolate chip cookies to school. What she actually did was she cooked mashed potatoes and put black beans inside to look like the chocolate chips. And we were all at lunch like, oh my gosh, that's so funny, that's crazy. Um, And then I was just sad because I was like, where are the cookies, right? Like, I don't even care, it's a prank. Um, But then I saw a prank on YouTube and I was like, I'm gonna do this for a youth group party we had. Don't try this at home, but I took some Oreos and I took the filling out of the middle of the Oreo and I put toothpaste instead. I know I'm the worst. And so a white toothpaste, I was like, this is going to be so funny. And so I took it to the party. Everyone's taking a bite and they're like, oh, this is horrible. I was like, I got you. Like, it was just funny. Until this kid named Mark shows up. And Mark missed that whole like laughter. And oh my gosh, it's toothpaste. And so he walks up to an Oreo and takes a bite. And then another. And then another. And I'm dying. Like, I just think this is so funny. He's eating toothpaste. And so he's eating it, and then he takes another, and he just keeps eating these Oreos. And I'm like, maybe it's like a mint thing. Like, Oreos have come a long way. We've got different flavors, but he just kept eating them. And as the night progressed, he just started turning more and more inward. And I was like, I think I need to call my mom. So I called my mom, and I said, just out of curiosity, like, what kind of toothpaste was that? And she's like, oh, my my dentist prescribed fluoride heavy-duty toothpaste? I was like, that one, yeah, yeah, that one. And so I had to tell her, and I had to call Mark's parents. Mark ended up going to the hospital, but, but he's fine now. Oh, I was so genuinely embarrassed. I had to tell my mom. I had to call his parents. I can't believe I would do something so stupid. I mean, have you ever been in a moment that you just wish I could just redo it? Right? Like, I wish I could, I see a hand up there, okay. I wish I could forget. I wish I could just redo that. Maybe it was a bad relationship or financial decision. Maybe breaking a family heirloom and you can just still remember seeing it in slow motion just like crash to the floor. If I just would have taken one more second and been careful. The moments that I wish I could redo usually involve other people. The things that I say that I'm like, ooh, I, th- I think I went one step too far or when people have hurt me, and I just wish that I could forget the things that they said or the things that they did. And God made us with this weird inability to forget. 
We try, right? We numb ourselves with with TV or habits or something to try to forget. But at the end of the day, we don't forget the things that we said and the things that have been said to us. I say this to not make us feel sad, like our brains are this endless prison of heartache and regrets, but because there is hope and a gift and a remedy that in the midst of the most painful parts of our journey, there's something that we can do to help soften that blow a little bit. We're looking this morning at forgiveness. If you followed along in the series, we're looking at the portion of the Lord's Prayer that talks about forgiveness. And I always hated these messages in church because this was something that I dealt with. I had no issue asking God for forgiveness, but I had issue when it came to relationships with other people on this earth. So if you're here and you're like starting to get uncomfortable, like well, we're going to do this together. And our God of love, our God that's slow to anger and abounding in love is with us in the midst of our pain and our suffering. No matter what your story or journey has been with forgiving, we're doing this together. Sound good? All right, turn with me, if you would, to Matthew chapter 6, verse 12. We're continuing in the Sermon on the Mount, which is just Jesus's powerhouse of a sermon. And in that sermon, he's teaching us how to pray. And Jesus says this, And forgive our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. Simple. Man, that's a heavy sentence right there. We're told by Jesus that this is obviously vitally important. This is why Jesus came to earth, to reconcile us back to God through the forgiveness of sins, which we see on the cross. Jesus takes our ability and our inability to forgive very, very seriously. And when we look at this passage, it's really quick to jump to the other people part, but I do want to just pause for a second and realize that we first, before ever forgiving someone else, first receive forgiveness. The passage says the word debts, insinuating we have debts, we have sins, we have things that have created this gap between us and the Almighty, and so we are encouraged by Jesus to ask for this forgiveness, for the sins, for the willful disobedience against the known law of God, and it's just not enough for us to go to church and be good people. We have to ask God, come into my life. Save me, cleanse me, make me a new person. I know I've messed up. I haven't loved you, I haven't loved neighbors. And today's the day I want to make it right. And our God is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. And that is what we proclaim every Sunday and hopefully every day of our lives as part of new creation. There is freedom. God's forgiveness of me is directly tied to my ability to forgive other people. Out of this generosity and excitement that God's forgiven me, I have now the power through Holy Spirit to go and forgive other people. Forgive us our debts as we forgive others. How many of you have ever been hurt by another human, right? We've all been there. We've had things that have been said and done to us. It's bound to happen. Like snow in Michigan. Like Monday's coming tomorrow. Like Ohio State beating Michigan in football. It's just inevitable, sorry not sorry but it's it's bound to happen people are gonna hurt people and and even Christians we have the ability to hurt and be hurt we are not islands our decisions our words our actions they do impact other people and so what do we do about that as we talk about forgiveness forgiveness is messy and one of the most complicated things that we can really do as humans because what if I ask for forgiveness and they don't give it What if 
someone asks forgiveness of me and I don't want to give it to them? Or what if they've passed on? Or because of the situation, there's just this giant gap between me and them and it's just impossible to have those conversations. You guys, I empathize with all of those. And we're just going to scratch the surface today. We could do a whole series about forgiveness, but we're going to look together. You're in Matthew 6 right now. Let's turn to Matthew 18, if you would. We're going to look at this conversation between Jesus and Peter as they're making their way down from Galilee to Jerusalem. They're having this conversation about forgiveness. And Peter, he's always asking really big questions. And we're going to see one of these really big questions uh, starting in verse 21. It says, Then Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? Up to seven times, perhaps? Like, I think he's trying to get brownie points here, or like, I guess they didn't have brownies, mana points. Like, he's trying to get some mana points with Jesus, and he's like, I know, because I'm a good Jew, that three times of having this forgiving spirit, that's enough. We see that in Amos, we see that in Job. And so he's like, I'm going to show that I'm like a really good Jew. I'm going to double that, add one, make a seven, which is this perfect, complete number. Jesus is going to like this a lot. So he's like, how many times? Seven? Sound good? Jesus answers, I tell you, not seven times, but 77 times. I mean, does that mean when we get to like 75, 76, we're like, your clock is ticking, like you only have a few more times? I think what Jesus is saying here, instead of this whole keeping track, is that the number doesn't matter. That we are to be a new people that continually forgive. And Peter's face must have had some sort of like, what you talking about, Willis, right? Like he had this face and Jesus is like, you know, I'm going to explain it more through a parable, through a story, which he does often. And so we're going to continue to read here. Jesus is telling Peter a story of what this concept of forgiveness really looks like laid out. So let's look at 23 together. It says, therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. As he began the settlement, a man who owed him 10,000 bags of gold, or maybe your translation says talents, uh, brought, was brought before him. And since he was not able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children and all that he had to be sold to repay the debt. This is a huge amount of money. When you see in your scripture, uh, it says talents, uh, and a normal, like one talent was worth 20 years of a day laborer's wage. And so now we're talking about 10,000 talents. Like, Peter's eyes would have been like, like, that's a crazy amount of money. He's definitely going to have to, like, pay that off. We see here a common practice in the ancient world that people were sold into servanthood or slavery in order to pay off that debt. And this was the fate for this man, or so we thought. If you continue reading, it says, At this the servant fell on his knees before him. Be patient with me, he begged. I will pay back everything. The servant's master took what? Pity on him and canceled his debt and let him go. That is wild. I mean, Peter would have heard this and been like, in the words of Pastor Rob, Yahoo! Like, that's awesome. Like, that's such a cool story. This shouldn't have happened. He should have had to pay it back. But there was this great mercy and compassion extended to the servant. But Jesus is like, I'm not finished with the story yet. When that servant, who again, was just forgiven so much of that debt, went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred silver coins. Your Bible may say denarii or denarius. He grabbed him and began to choke him. Pay back what you owe me, he demanded. 
his fellow servant fell on his knees and begged him, be patient with me, I will pay you back. But he refused. Instead, he went off and had the man thrown into prison until he could pay the debt. When the other servants saw what had happened, they were outraged and went and told their master everything that had happened. This is kind of crazy, right? Like this guy was just forgiven so much and then turns around to a fellow servant who owed him a couple silver coins. Again, if you look at the bottom of your Bibles, they'll usually have some conversion charts and things like that. This denarius or this denarii, one of them would be one day labor's wage. And we're talking about 100. So nothing compared to what he owed. And what does this guy do? He chokes him. He throws him into prison. And I don't know about you, but I don't know how you pay your debt in prison kind of like a lose-lose. Unless you have family or someone on the outside, what do you do in those moments? Jesus continues here. The master has found out, and then the master calls on the servant and says, you wicked servant, he said. I canceled all of the debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had least mercy on your servant just as I had on you? And in anger, his master handed him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all he owed. This is how my heavenly Father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother and sister from your heart. I find this passage very interesting because he was forgiven so much and how quickly he forgot the forgiveness extended to him. And I think this parable means something for us today that we too have been forgiven so much. And how quickly we can forget that forgiveness when we get in conflict with other humans on this earth. Our forgiveness of others is proof that God has done a work in us. Why would we withhold that? When we look at this text, we um, see this concept of seven and 77. I was doing some commentaries and research and researching and stuff. And there's somewhere else in the Bible that talks about seven and 77. It's in the book of Genesis. So we're going to go all the way to the beginning, real briefly here, Genesis chapter 4, where we see a story about Cain and Abel. They were brothers. Cain was a little jealous of his brother Abel, so much so that he killed him. Like, that's wild. He killed him. And then he was banished. He created his own city named after his son Enoch and founder-like city. It was violent. It was vengeful. It was rebellious. It did not reflect God and God's image. And five generations later, we meet this guy. Do you guys know his name? Lamech. Good job, Pastor John. Lamech. And we see here this little song, this little poem that he is singing to his wives. It's kind of like a macho man song. Lamech said to his wives, Ada and Zaya, listen to me, wives of Lamech. Hear my words. I have killed a man for wounding me, a young man for injuring me, if Cain is avenged seven times, then Lamech 77. Macho man. Someone came up to him, tried to pick a fight, and Lamech just murders him on the spot. And he's feeling good about it. He's like, if vengeance is seven times, I'm going to give 77. I'm just going to go all out on this guy. Why do we get so violent? And feel this need to retaliate when we are wronged. I mean, Lamech truly is this epitome of human nature and the human condition where you wrong me, I get to wrong you back. But worse, because I'm Lamech and you're lame and I hate you. Like, that's just, why do we do these sort of things? Whatever forgiveness is, 
It surely is countercultural and just counter to our nature because it's so easy for us to retaliate. And so when Jesus is teaching us in the Lord's Prayer, in the conversation with Peter about the 77, in the parable, Jesus is teaching us this new way to be human. This new way to be human because the kingdom of God has arrived in Jesus and so we're to be formed into this new type of human where when people wrong us, we respond differently. If Lamech is just unhinged and unbridled with revenge, we are to be just unbridled with mercy and love and forgiveness. We're to be this new type of Lamech in this world where we are quick to respond with love. We're a sign of a new type of humanity and we, the church, could be a witness to that in this world. We're to be Lamech in the ways that we show love and grace and forgiveness. Which is all great news. But that doesn't mean forgiveness isn't hard. I think sometimes we have these preconceived notions of what forgiveness is, and there's two things I just want us to look at of what forgiveness is not. I just want to kind of clear the air of these things. First thing, forgiveness does not mean you become a doormat or a punching bag. 77 times doesn't mean just take it or allowing for further uh, conflict to happen. If you read the paragraph before the parable in uh, Matthew 18, verse 15, I'm not going to get into it today, but it does talk, Jesus talks about like, what do you do when there's conflict, specifically when there's conflict in the church? You'd be surprised, but there is conflict in the church. (laughs) And he says, brush it under the rug, right? No, no, he says, go to that person and have a conversation. We don't sit idly by. We don't put ourselves in compromising positions where we can get hurt. We have conversations. And if that person is not apologizing or recognizing what they did wrong, guess what we do? We bring someone else in. Some more accountability, some creating some distance and some safety in that moment. But we have conversations. We don't sweep it under the rug. And if that doesn't work, you bring in someone else. And you bring in someone else. And then Jesus actually talks about bringing in the church, which looks a little bit different for us because we're not a house church and things. Um, So there's some different nuances in our time. But nonetheless, Jesus cares. Jesus doesn't encourage us to just take it or put ourselves in a compromised position, but to work through it. And I want to just make a note here. Statistically, whether live or online, there's people in this room that have experienced hurt or abuse like genuine hurt or abuse. And for that, I'm sorry. And our first priority for you is not to forgive. It's to get safe and to regain stability in order for that healing process to begin. And so if you're here and you're feeling that weight, please feel free to come to me or one of the other pastors. We don't want you to just take it. Jesus isn't asking you to just take it, and neither are we. So please reach out if you're in a situation like that. Forgiveness does not mean you're a doormat. Forgiveness also is not the same as reconciliation. Man, I wish it was. Forgiveness is something that I can do in my heart and hopefully have that conversation with that person. If they realize what they did was wrong, I can forgive them. They can, we can maybe start working towards a relationship or a new type of relationship. But forgiveness isn't the same as reconciliation because sometimes that person won't say sorry. They don't want to try to pick up where we left off or even start a new chapter of what this relationship could look like. You can't control their response, but we can choose to forgive. So there's many things that forgiveness is not. There's a lot of things forgiveness is. I was reading a book called The Art of Forgiving by Lewis Smedes, and he gives a plethora of things that forgiveness is, but I want to look at three as we we start to wrap things up this morning. 
Forgiveness looks like rediscovering the humanity of the person who's wronged us. And I don't like this one. Because I love to boil a complex person into their worst mistakes. You didn't just cheat, you're a cheater. You didn't just lie, but you are a liar. We do this. We take people's complex uh, humanities and we boil it and reduce it down to you are the worst things about you. You're wrong. You're going to stay wrong. And honestly, I kind of like that you're wrong. How quickly we realize that we have all sinned and all fallen short of God's glory. And I don't say that to belittle the pain that you felt and feel. But I say that to recognize that we are complex that we are more than the sum of our worst mistakes. And I thank God for the people that when I wrong them, they've seen me for more than my mistakes because I've got plenty of them. Forgiveness looks like rediscovering the humanity of the person who wronged us. Forgiveness also looks like surrendering the right to get even. In the parable today, we see this unmerciful servant running out and choking this guy. And he's like, please, I will pay you back everything. And he's like, no. And he throws him into prison. Which again, how do you pay back a debt in prison? We love putting people in these impossible situations where they can't get out from under our foot. We love that feeling of power and control because we've been hurt. That's valid, we've been hurt. But again, as kingdom people, as new people, we're to respond differently. Because when we do this, it stopped being about justice a long time ago. It's about us having that power in that control, where we don't want them to apologize, where we enjoy the satisfaction of them being in the pit. But as kingdom people, we refuse to put people in impossible situations where grace and hope and forgiveness cannot touch them. We represent a new kingdom. We handle conflict differently, and we give up our right to retaliate. Forgiveness looks like rediscovering the humanity of the person, surrendering the right to get even, and revising our feelings towards the person that has hurt us. This takes time, and it's a choice that we have to make, and it's one we're not always going to feel like making. It's kind of like working out. You're like, I know I need to do it, and I have to like get myself out of bed and go work out, and usually I feel okay after. I was like, okay, that was a good life decision, but then guess what? Tomorrow happens, and I have to work out again. And I was like, really don't want to do this again. So I have to crawl to bed and do it again. And it takes time. Over time, you're like, okay, I know this is good for me. I know I feel better. Hopefully, literally feeling the weight lifted off your body. But it takes time, and it takes discipline, and you're not always going to feel like it. And I feel like that's how forgiveness is sometimes. We don't always feel like it. But we show up. We do the hard work with the power of the Holy Spirit. And eventually, it does become a little easier. There are days you're not going to feel like it, forgiving other people. It's so much easier to turn on that demonizing recording and just play that in your head about that person. But it's a choice that we make, and we can ask God, soften my heart. Today was really hard to forgive that person, but tomorrow would you soften my heart even more? where I choose to believe this to be true. It's only by God's grace and love and mercy through Jesus that we can even begin this process of forgiveness. And praise be to God that we do not have to be bound by anger and shame and hate. There's a new way to be human. 
There's so many questions and circumstances that you all have probably about forgiveness, and we're never going to cover it all in one sermon. But I do want you to know that forgiveness is necessary, not just for our own souls and our own freedom, but for the sake of the body and proclaiming good news. We represent this new kingdom, and our past, our memories, our mistakes, they can be redeemed. They can be transformed, and sin doesn't have to be the theme. So what I want us to do during this time is I want us to just take a moment and kind of identify ourselves in this story as we pray for forgiveness. Again, it's not our natural default, which is why we have to pray for it. Maybe you're here and your next step towards forgiveness is accepting forgiveness from our creator. You realize that you've been far off, that you haven't loved God, you haven't loved neighbors, that your life's been a little messy and for you, your next step today is gonna be asking God, make me new, forgive me of my sins and if that's you, would you please reach out to us either in a private message or live here. We would love to journey with you of what this relationship with Jesus looks like. Maybe your next step in forgiveness is recognizing I've been hurt and I need to go have a conversation with that person. Maybe it's the other way around. Maybe there's someone that's coming to your mind and it's just been blaring in your head all service and you're like, you know what? I need to go apologize because I know I went too far in that comment. I, made, I went too far in that action and I need to go make this right. And that's what God's convicting me. Maybe your next step is getting safe, telling someone you can trust and getting safe and stable, bringing in some accountability and a community. And right now in this moment, you wanna pray for guidance. God, help me have the bravery to talk to someone. Maybe for you, forgiveness um, looks like you really forgiving. You've kept that person in prison long enough. You've danced around forgiveness for a long time. And maybe this is your Sunday to say, I declare freedom for myself and for them. And the next step would be doing that tomorrow and the next day and the next day. And so maybe for you, this time of prayer is asking God for the strength and the wisdom and the endurance to, to continue to forgive, remembering God has been so faithful to forgive me. Maybe for you, your next step is reconciliation. You've, you've had the conversation with the person, it's gone well, y'all are forgiven, but you're ready to maybe start this new chapter. What would it look like for us to live life together once more? I don't know where you're at this week, on this journey of forgiveness, but I've been praying up and down these rows during this week that God would just move all of us one step closer to forgiveness. If you would like to stand or kneel or sit at your seat or pray during this time, let's respond to the goodness of God and consider what's our next step towards forgiveness.